Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, January 25th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And it includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Taylor Massetta. Here's What's What near you. Walmart announced that the company is raising its hourly wage. On average, the hourly pay will increase to $17.50 from the previous $17. But company-wide minimum wage will increase by nearly $2 in U.S. stores. Salaries will now range from $14 to $19 an hour. This change will impact around 340,000 workers in 3,000 stores nationwide. Walmart's pay grade has been straggling behind similar companies like Amazon and Target, whose baseline minimum wage has been $15 since 2021. But it's a step in the right direction for the corporate giant. Long Island commuters are in for a much smoother ride. That's right, Taylor, because after a 22-year-long wait, commuters can now stop at Grand Central Terminal on their way into the city. Governor Hochul and MTA leadership were the first to test out the new route. Starting today, the LIRR will run a limited service from Jamaica to Grand Central for three weeks, before transitioning to a full service. The Equal Rights Amendment has passed its second consecutive session in New York legislature. That means it's one step closer to being ratified. The revision would prevent discrimination based on a range of personal factors, including gender identity, gender expressions, ethnicity, and disability. But also, Maya, the most significant change is that for the first time, the ERA would feature language to explicitly recognize discrimination against pregnancy. That would protect people from any government intervention related to reproductive autonomy and access to reproductive health care. The decision to ratify this amendment into the state's foundational document is now in the hands of New York voters in the 2024 election. This morning, in a joint New York City Council meeting, public advocate Jamali Williams met with city council members to discuss the legislation that would require the New York City Department of Corrections to report on transgender, gender nonconforming, non-binary, and intersex people in custody. WFUV's Rosie Lenz has the story. This morning, New York City Council members held a joint hearing between the Committee of Women and Gender Equity and the Committee of Criminal Justice on the unfair treatment of transgender, gender nonconforming, non-binary, and intersex individuals in custody. The Council, Department of Corrections Commissioner, and Correctional Health Services Representative discussed the abuse these individuals face from staff, inmates, their housing placements and conditions, and their access to proper health care. TGNC and BI people deserve the same respect and dignity as their cisgender peers, and this is not negated when they are incarcerated. TDOC makes changes to ensure that city jails are safe for everyone. We will continue to lose valuable members of our community. Public advocate Jamani Williams called on the department to work together in order to honor the requests made today to ensure the safety of TGNC and BI individuals. With WFEV News, I'm Rosie Lenz. This morning, the New York State Office of Cannabis Management held a meeting to discuss how the state will dispense and regulate cannabis sales. WFUV's Grace Galbraith reports. This morning, the New York State Cannabis Control Board held its monthly board meeting. The meeting followed the Tuesday, January 24th opening of New York City's second legal cannabis dispensary. Cannabis Control Board members candidly stated their excitement for the dispensary opening and discussed the approval of 30 additional licenses. Chris Alexander, inaugural executive director of the New York State Office of Cannabis Management, 
highlighted the board's eagerness to approve further licenses. We are so excited to continue to roll out this card program, being able to afford opportunities to those who've been directly impacted by marijuana prohibitions enforcement. The Cannabis Control Board unanimously approved the motion, awarding 30 additional conditional adult-use retail dispensary licenses to applicants. With WFUV News, I'm Grace Galbraith. Get ready to set sail at the Discover Boating New York Boat Show. This week, the Javits Center is the home of the world's first and longest-running boat show. Potential buyers can look at a wide variety of boats in person before making a decision on which one to take home. But if you aren't buying a boat, the boat show also offers an indoor beach club and paddleboard test rides. The show opens tonight and runs until Sunday, January 29th. Panic at the Disco is entering the House of Memories. Brandon Urie, the band's lead singer, announced the band would be ending after nearly 20 years. Urie is the band's last original member remaining. Panic at the Disco has mostly been a solo project for the last decade. But he's now putting down the mic to focus on his family, since he also announced his wife is pregnant with their first child. The European leg of their Viva Las Vengeance tour will be the band's last hurrah. And on today's date in 1958, Elvis Presley's Jailhouse Rock was the first single to enter the UK pop chart at number one. Keeping with the Elvis theme, I'm not sure if you saw Taylor, but the recent 2022 Elvis film starring Austin Butler was nominated for eight Oscars yesterday, including Best Picture and Best Sound. You can catch the 95th Academy Awards on March 12th at 8pm Eastern Standard Time on ABC. Now I'm going to hand it over to my co-host Taylor Massetta to fill us in on all the latest sporting news. The MLB is investigating Chicago White Sox pitcher Mike Clevenger, who's been accused of domestic violence and child abuse. Clevenger shares a 10-month-old child with Olivia Feinstead, who brought the allegations to the MLB. She said that he slapped her and threw chewing tobacco on their child last June. The White Sox said that they were unaware of the allegations when they signed Clevenger last December, and they are taking the allegations very seriously. Clevenger has not yet made a statement. Here in New York, Kevin Durant is offering promising news regarding his knee injury. The Nets star suffered an MCL sprain in his right knee in a game on January 8th. However, the Nets say he's progressing well and will be evaluated in another two weeks. Durant says he's keeping it one day at a time. He's hoping to be healthy enough to play in the All-Star game, which happens on February 19th. With WFUV Sports, I'm Taylor Massetta. Thanks, Taylor. Strike Accord is WFUV's quarterly public service campaign. Each quarter, we choose to highlight nonprofits in the New York City area that do work centered around a specific theme. This quarter, our focus is clean communities. We take a look at organizations that work to clean, sanitize, and beautify the New York City area. WFUV's Isabel Danza spoke with the president of Riverkeeper about her work with clean water and pollution in New York City. My name is Tracy Brown, and I am the president and Hudson River Keeper, um, leading the organization known as River Keeper, which works throughout the Hudson Valley. Could you just start with kind of a general explanation about what River Keeper does? 
So Riverkeeper is a clean water watchdog organization. We over, oversee and do advocacy on behalf of the whole Hudson River estuary, which runs from the Battery at the end of New York City all the way up to um, Troy, where the federal dam is. We also oversee and do watchdog work for the drinking water sources for New York City. We could talk a little bit about how kind of pollution in the New York City area affects water. The main piece that it, a lot of people don't understand about New York City's uh, pollution problem is that the city still has in large, you know, large areas, a combined sewer and stormwater system. Your wastewater and your storm drains on your streets all go into the same pipe. The rainwater and the wastewater from our houses and our businesses are going to the wastewater treatment plants and all being treated. When it rains a lot and there's too much rain and sewage combined in those pipes, they actually overflow. They are set up to bypass the wastewater treatment plants so those plants don't get overwhelmed. So anytime it rains as much as uh, a quarter of an inch or more, there is untreated wastewater with sewage and all the things that come out of our businesses and homes in the city getting discharged directly into the waters around the city. What can ordinary people do, you know, to kind of help combat this problem? In terms of the residents, um, you know, people need to be aware that if it's raining in the city, that probably the combined sewer overflows. There are 460 of these outlets spread around the shorelines of, of Manhattan and all the boroughs. Um, in those moments when it's raining, don't run your dishwasher, don't hop in the shower, uh, don't do your laundry. Try and be mindful that probably any water that you're going to send through the system in a rain event could go directly into the Hudson. You know, toilet paper and all, whatever you've put in it. That was WFUV's Isabel Danzis speaking with Tracy Brown president of Riverkeeper and a Hudson Riverkeeper. And that's our show for today. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Taylor Massetta. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.